What you're going to find out in our little time here together this evening is that the wise men had far more things going on than that. In fact, it comes down to this. I want you to check this out. Look at this statement I want to play with a little bit. The plain thing almost always points to the main thing. Almost always that happens. That, that comes true in one of my favorite stories of all time. It's reportedly to be true. Uh, many of you have read it or heard it. I've used it for years when I want to talk about a point like this, that the plain thing always points to the main thing. This particular story was one of the old stories about pen pals. Some of you might remember that, where people would total strangers write letters to one another. In this particular story was a man and a woman who began to write letters, and, and before long they started to realize that something was happening, there was a connection going on, and they eventually began to say it to each other, I think we're falling in love. So the guy suggested in the next letter that they would share pictures of themselves with each other. Typical dude, right? Uh, and she responded, no, love has nothing to do with the physical appearance at all, so we shouldn't share pictures. They agreed that they would meet, though. They would meet at an airport. They would arrive at an airport, and they would go to a certain terminal, and they would recognize each other because they both would wear a red rose on their lapel. And so the guy shows up at the airport, he's wandering around the terminal looking for this lady with a rose. As he's kind of wandering around, a lady came up to him, noticing that he seemed to be lost a little bit, and she looked at him and said, are you looking for somebody? And he looked over at her, and she was drop dead gorgeous, absolute knockout, unbelievable looking young lady. And he said to her, I'm looking for a friend of mine. And she said to him, looks like you've not found her. Maybe she didn't show up. How about you have lunch with me? And her comments began to be more and more and more suggestive. And in every suggestive comment, something inside of him said, this might be an opportunity. But he couldn't get over the fact that there was no red rose. And so finally she said, I'm, he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking for somebody else. And so he turned around, he started walking down the terminal again. He noticed at the end of the hallway, there was another lady approaching him. And she was a little bit different than the first that he had talked to. She was kind of plain, unkempt hair, clothes kind of ragged, a little on the plump side. 11.30 at night, Walmart stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so he watches her come around the corner, and there she is with a red rose. And so he went up to her and approached her and put his arms around her and hugged her and kissed her on the cheek and whispered in her ear, I have longed for this day. I have longed for this day. And when she heard it, she pushed him back. She said, buddy, I don't know what's going on, but somebody gave me a $100 bill and told me to wear this rose, and it was that lady right there, and he turned around, and there was the first lady who smiled and said, you have passed your first test. Huh? Watch this, the plain thing almost always points to the main thing. And that's the story of the Magi. The Magi, or as some people call them, the wise men, wherever that came from, 
And the story of the Magi comes down to that aspect, that there are certain very plain, normal, obvious parts of the story that point to the main thing of the story. But we tend not to see that because we get caught up in all the complicated parts of the story that distract us. How many of these guys were there? Where did they come from? Who were they? What did they do? And what was it about that star? Do you know this? There are no formal, acceptable answers for any of those questions. You know why? Because none of them matter. The only thing that matters are the plain parts of the story that point to the main part of the story. Now, you've heard it, but I want to read it for you today, and this can kind of be your, your story for Christmas for the season, but let me just kind of read through it. It's about 12 verses long, so just kind of hang with me. You've heard it a million times, and I want to show you some things maybe you hadn't seen before. It's written by a guy by the name of Matthew, and he wrote it this way. He said, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, that term is called Magoi. It's where we get magician. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And so Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. Would somebody say, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> After they'd heard the king, they went on the way and the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They came to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And you and I have heard that a million times. And we get caught up in the things in the story that don't matter. Because the plain things, the obvious things, all put together will point to the main thing in the Magi story. Let me show you what I mean. When you only consider yourself with what is very obvious, what is very plain in the story, you find out very first, right out the gate, that there's, there's this search going on. So these guys know that the one to be born, king of the Jews, has been born, and so they go try to find him. And so they start from wherever they started from, uh, some versions in the Bible, and some music says they came from afar. Now in Kentucky, that means a burning building. So somewhere, that's the best I got today, okay? That's all I got. 
So they, they first go to Jerusalem because they think, you know, if it's a king, you know, it's gonna be Jerusalem. And then they end up at Bethlehem and they start searching for him in Bethlehem. And so you got this part of the story that you probably have never in your life thought about because we get caught up in all the complicated stuff that has no answers. But this simple concept of a search for Jesus. Now, here's what we've been doing this, this month here at Eastside. We've been playing with the idea that a lot of the stuff that happened in the original Christmas story will happen to you. And sometimes we don't look at the story that way, that, that dude, this stuff's gonna happen to me, man. And so now we get this idea of a search, and here's what we know about people. Listen. We know that most people hit a point in their life where they're searching for something to fill a hole in their soul. Can anybody say amen to that? You'll hit a moment in your life where you'll realize something ain't there, something missing. It's not happening. And so we, we search for things that are gonna fill the hole. And so, okay, if I get married, okay, that's gonna fill it. And, and then, okay, maybe I need to be married to somebody else, and that's going to fill it. Or if I had a better job, or I had more resources, or relationships, or health, and then sometimes it's really bad stuff that we bring into our life, because life is a process of searching to fill this hole, check this out, that God made in you, that God made us with this hole. And the only single thing that can ever feel that is the king, Jesus. A relationship of knowing who Jesus is and what it means for Jesus to be in your life. Watch this. You were made that way. Whether you even know it, whether you have any idea about it at all, when God formed you and shaped you, there is this hole that can only be filled with Jesus. And most of us go through our life trying to fill it with other stuff that never, ever, ever fills it. And there's people in this room right now, you're thinking, dude, you got a camera in my house? What's going on? Because you know what I'm talking about. Look at this verse in the Bible. I love this verse. The psalmist says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. We pant for God to fill the hole in our life. And when we fill it with other stuff, okay? If I just, if I just got married, guess what happens? You're still, you're still panting for something in the hole. If I had more money, guess what? You're just still panting. If I had this, just more panting. When does the panting ever stop? The panting only stops with Jesus. The simplicity of the plain thing in this story is they started to search for him to fill the hole in their life. Look at this quote I found on social media. I love this. I love this quote. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. You take that last line out. When I was reading that, you're just going, all right, all right, all right. And then you saw that last line, you go, oh, well. Now, this really makes you go, oh, well, look who wrote it. Jim Carrey wrote it. A man, I'm assuming, had a lot of that stuff, and I don't know what he does think the answer is, 
but he said he's found out that none of that is the answer. And I could have told him that. The Magi could have told him that. Because the plain thing will always point to the main thing. And so you start with this search, and then there's another really obvious parts of the story. It just bounces off the page, and I call it the opposition, okay? There's an opposition going on. This cat named Herod shows up. Now, if you're an Eastside person, we talked about Herod about three weeks in a row now, okay? So as pastor, I'm just saying this. When we get in with Christmas, we're done with Herod for a while, all right? Because he's the guy that tried to ruin it all, man. He tried to mess it up and tried to stop everything. He was going to kill the Magi. He was going to kill Jesus. I mean, he just didn't want to have anything to do with anything. And we've read it. We know about that's part of the story. But if you realize this, watch this, because the plain thing, the plain thing, it's the plain thing where it's at. Because it'll show us the main thing. The plainness of this opposition tells you this. Now, now don't miss me. Don't, don't lose me, please. Come here, come here, come here, come here. If you choose to search for Jesus, somebody's going to get in your way and try to stop it. They're going to try to stop it. Because there's a force bigger than us, ain't bigger than him, bigger than us. And they will use whatever they have to do from the demons of hell to stop you finding the only thing that can ever fill the hole in your life. And the Magi faced it and you'll face it. And so if you're serious about searching for Jesus Christ who can fill that in your life, you can, you can bank on it. Somebody's gonna get in the way. It might be your spouse who's flipping out that you wanna give your weekends now to go to church. And it might be friends who are like, are you kidding me, man? You won't go do the things we've always done? It might just be goofy stuff in life that wrinkles things up. But it is not a smooth road to find him. Can the church say amen to that? It is not. There will be opposition at all time. One of the churches that I, I served a long time ago when I was there, I'd heard that they had a live nativity scene as part of their past history. Anybody remember the live nativity scenes? You know, real animals, all that good stuff. And uh, they had that. It was very successful. And so I was in an elders meeting one time, and I said, hey, man, I heard we used to have a, a live nativity scene. Let's do that again. And one of the elders looked at me and said, we will not be doing that again, and don't you ever bring it up again. <laughs> and so I was kind of, ooh. Okay, what happened? So I get to talking and I find out what happened. They had this, this great, uh, you've seen people come from all over and they saw it. And one year um, they needed some extra helpers so they got the elders' kids to serve as shepherds. And uh, I'm just telling you because I know what I'm talking about. Elders' kids and preachers' kids are about as bad as it gets, okay? So the elders' kids were dressed as shepherds. It was freezing cold. They got bored. So they started making snowballs and rifling them at the cars who were coming just to see Jesus. And so it hit a few people, and a few people got upset, and the cops got called, and they no more nativity scenes happening there. And you know what? You start looking for Jesus, and you're going to have some snowballs thrown at you. It's going to happen. And here's the deal. Here's the sad part of it. Is there's a lot of people that just can't handle that. And so they quit looking. And you know some of them. 
and you might be some of them. And so you showed up here because somebody invited you to or you just thought, you know, give it a shot or something. But you know what it's like when the opposition gets in the way of the search. You know what that's like. But, you know, some people keep looking and keep fighting through it. And they get to the point where another one of the main things of the story becomes the reality for them. And, and here it is. Let me, let me show it to you. There was some gift giving going on. And gang, this is what we do with this. We, we miss the plainness of it. Because we start saying, okay, why were there three gifts? Why weren't there four? And what in the world does frankincense mean? And we get caught up in things that don't matter. We don't even know the answer to some of those things. The plainness, the simplicity of this is this aspect. And I want you to see it because this is the main thing of the story. Humans were blessing the divine. Now, you might right now be thinking, okay, Dave, I'm, I'm not following you. And so I want to get personal with you. And I want to get real and transparent with you. Although I, I don't know. Many of you here, keep that up on the screen and let me show you something. I want to be really open with you. When you get as old as me, when you hit your 30s, okay, um, you, you start, this, this thing starts happening to you uh, when you have a few years under your belt and you start looking back and wondering if you would have done anything differently. And I'm at the point in my life where I, I ask that about my ministry, my job, about what I've done to serve God and work in churches. And is there anything if I could go back and I would tweak it a little bit? And I wouldn't do that, I'd do this instead. There's a heavy, heavy, heavy thing for me. And if in some crazy way God would allow that to all restart, there's a shift I would make. Because my whole ministry, my whole life has been built on the idea that if you follow Jesus, if you will let Jesus fill this hole in your life, God is going to be incredibly good to you. And there's going to be so many wonderful, beautiful things that God is going to do for you. How would you live your life in any other way? Because this is how you live it. You give yourself to him and enjoy the riches of his grace and his mercy and his goodness and just find out what it's like for God to just bless your life and you'll never turn away. And I've built my whole ministry on that and I believe it with every ounce of my being. But here's what I've learned is that it creates a mentality of expectation and entitlement. And now we think God exists to give us gifts, to be good to us, to take care of us, to meet our needs. Watch this. This is why I'm calling it plain. It's simple. Watch this. The Magi gave him gifts. He didn't give them gifts. If I could turn anything, if I could tweak anything, I would say, let's not live our life enjoying and expecting the goodness of God to take care of us. Let's don't live our life that way. Let's live our life this way, that we are here to bless him. 
to shine on him. Watch, we are here to push his agenda, not my agenda. We are here to advance his will, not my will. We are here to serve him, not me. And see, much of my ministry as I look back has been trying to recover people who built a mentality that God is supposed to be good to them. And then when he doesn't show up, they're all wigged out. None of that is the story of the Magi. None of that. The story of the Magi is that when you really find him, when you really find him, you know it because now you're living a life to serve him rather than expecting him to serve you. And I'd like to know if that's happened to you. Look at it this way. Let me show you. The true indication that you found him is when your life is advancing his life rather than his life advancing yours. And that's radical. That is radical. And my challenge for you this year as we move into 2024 is that you start taking a different perspective on this Jesus thing. Not everything that he will do for you, although he will be wonderful to you. But what will you do for him? Last week I got in my car and I went to hang out with a buddy of mine. It's a dear, dear buddy, um, as close as a brother to me. Lives about an hour and a half away and he needed a shoulder to cry on. And he's been there for me a couple times when I've needed a, a friend like that. And so I said, man, I'm gonna come up. We're gonna have lunch together. And I said, pick a place, I'll meet you there. So I drove about an hour and a half and met him. He picked this, uh, he picked this hole in the wall, uh, nasty, you, none of y'all would eat there. Uh, just horrible looking uh, barbecue joint on the side of a broken down convenience store. I mean, you bought your drink in the convenience store and then you went over to the barbecue place and, and I'm pulling in going, this place looks like I got robbed about three minutes ago. And uh, he's smiling. <laughs> so we ate there. And to my surprise, the meal was incredible. It was great. Um, we met the guy who owned it. He was waiting on us. His name was James. He was real friendly. We fell in love with him immediately. We'd ordered our food. He goes, you want any appetizers? And we said, no, man, it's enough food. He said, ain't no way, bro. You gotta have the appetizers, and I'll pay for them. So he brought us appetizers. He paid for them. We just had a great time. We were there for two and a half hours. We talked about heart stuff, man. We talked about real stuff. I'm telling you this. Everybody needs a buddy like that. And so we, we just had an incredible time together, and through the whole two and a half hours, James is coming, you guys need anything, man? You want anything, man? I'm here for you, whatever you need. And it just felt like, man, we just really know this guy. So we're leaving. And we come out of the, I don't know, I still don't know if it's a restaurant, a convenience store. I, I don't know where I was. But we came out, and my friend says, hey, man, I got a Christmas present for you. I said, man, what are you talking about? He goes, I got a gift for you, man. So we go to his truck. And he, uh, he pulls out a uh, box of candy. I brought it with me. And he goes, this is for you, man. And uh, he hands it to me. 
And it just, you know, we've all seen these, okay? You buy them at Walmart for about $1.19, I think. So um, he, <laughs> he gave me this, but it was actually two of these, okay? And they were together, and there was a bow and, you know, all kind of ne- fine, fancy stuff. So he said, here, man, it's for you. And I took it, and I said, man, you'd have to do that. And he goes, oh, man, have some candy. He was, he was just a crazy guy, man. I love him to death. And so I'm, I'm looking at this, and while I'm looking at this, James comes out. And James comes over to the truck to thank us again for coming to his place. Because <laughs> I think he had had a customer in month. So, um, so he said, man, thanks for coming. And uh, my buddy said, oh, bro, we'll be back, man. This was awesome. He goes, in fact, hang on. And my buddy, who just gave me a gift, grabbed my gift, (laughs) tore it in half, and gave James the other box. And I'm sitting here going, what just happened? What just happened? And James starts laughing, and my buddy's laughing, and I'm laughing. So I get in my car to go home, and I throw my one box there, and I realize I do that with God all the time. Because I want him to give me another box, another box, another box, another box. And the Magi said, that ain't what it's about. The plain things point to the main thing. Humans bless the divine. Not the other way around. So when you came in here today, uh, you got this candle, this little light. Why don't you go ahead and grab it? Don't turn it on yet. Um, For a number of years, we've ended our Christmas week services by singing, Oh, Holy Night, and we turn the lights off and we all light these. And that's become a tradition here. And um, I don't know how long we'll do it. I don't know, we may change it up next year, I don't know. Um, But we're doing it again this year. But I felt compelled to explain what this means for fear that sometimes we misunderstand what we're gonna do with this. It's not, it is not about the effect because it's really gonna look cool here in a minute. But it's not about that. And it's not even about a tradition that we, you know, stand up with lights and sing, oh, holy night. It's not about any of that. It is a commitment that you are making when you turn this on. That's why I ask you don't turn it on yet. Because when you turn it on, your commitment is that from now on, my life is to shine light on you. I'm going to walk out of here not expecting, okay, God's going to do great things for me because I came to a Christmas service. Now, that's backwards thinking. The light is a commitment that my life is about your agenda and your will. I'm giving gifts to you, not the other way around. And when you turn that on and sing it, that's what we're doing. And so it's a beautiful sight to see People who get that stand and sing 
our devotion to the King. Would you do that with me right now? And our team will lead.